0: blood still works you are the south hallelujah praise the lord bear witness the blood of jesus still works hallelujah oh we ought to give god just a little praise today he still so works Most holy and everlasting God, we thank you for the blood. Thank you for redemption. Thank you for retrieving us, dear God, when we could not retrieve ourselves. Thank you for worship and this holy space. We thank you, God, for every song, every musician, all of our technology. We thank you, God, for everything that you have given us and we thank you that on this day we celebrate again the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on our behalf. We pray right now, dear God, that your word will come alive and that your people will hear from heaven. We bless you for being such a faithful God. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your life, oh God. And thank you for loving us and believing in us and trusting us with your word. In the mighty and precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen, amen, hallelujah, amen. How many of you glad to be in the house, amen? Amen, 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 amen. amen. God is so awesome. A couple of weeks ago, during my prayer time, the Holy Spirit said to me that I should read the book of Job. And I never knew at that moment what would be going on in my life at the moment that I would get up to preach this sermon. And I found that God is so awesome that if we would just listen, God prepares the way. So by the time we get to the intersection of trouble that God has already given us a way out. Have you ever been at the intersection of trouble? Oh, I tell you, I tell you, I tell you, that's a strange place to be. But in the midst of his trials and tribulations, Job said in chapter 19, verse number 25, I know my redeemer lives and that in the end, hallelujah, He will stand on the earth. And I titled this sermon, What to Do When Your Life Falls Apart, because I realized at some point in time, all of us will have something to come into our lives that will cause it to fall apart. And I concluded that Job teaches us how to handle trouble. There are four things that Job will teach us and we would learn from this text. The first is you must select your friends prayerfully. You gotta be careful who your friends are because friends influence our thinking and our relationship with God. Secondly, we must trust God in all circumstances. We must trust God, church, I said in all circumstances We must have a clear destiny, understanding our final destiny. Everybody needs to know where you're going and how you're going to get there. That's point number three. You need to know your final destination, and you need to know how you're going to get there. And finally, Job says that in the midst of trouble, that we must open our eyes of faith, and we must look to the God who created us. And we will find that faith in God takes away the darkness and trouble. So here we are today celebrating a God who is faithful. I'm thankful this week that I was able to see a portion of the homegoing service for John Lewis. And during that service, it was suggested that we read the article that was written by him to be published on the day of his funeral. And in this article, John Lewis says, while my time has now come to an end, I want you to know that in the last days and hours of my life, you inspired me. You filled me with hope about the next chapter of the great American story when you used your power to make a difference in our society. He said that millions of people motivated simply by human compassion laid down the burdens of division. And he said around the country and the world, you set aside race, class, age, language and nationality to demand respect for human dignity. That is why I had to visit Black Lives Matter Plaza in Washington, though I was admitted to the hospital the following day. I just had to see and feel it for myself, that after many years, Sister Shireen, of silent witness, the truth is still marching on. Here he is in his final days, Sister Kelly, and he's in a lot of pancreatic cancer, but he takes time to bear witness to what God is doing in his final moments. He said that Emmett Till was my George Floyd, he was my Rashad Brooks, Sandra Bland and Brianna Taylor. He was 14 when he was killed and I was only 15 years old at the time. I will never ever forget the moment when it became so clear that he could easily have been me. In those days fear constrained us like an imaginary prison and troubling thoughts of potential brutality committed for no understandable reason were the bars. And though I was surrounded by two loving parents, plenty of brothers and sisters and cousins down there in Alabama, I threw that in, their love could not protect me from the unholy oppression waiting just outside that family circle. John Lewis goes on to say that unchecked, unrestrained violence and government sanctioned terror had the power to turn a simple stroll to the store for Skittles or an innocent morning jog down a lonely country road into a nightmare. And he goes on to say that if we are to survive as one unified nation, discover what so readily takes root in our hearts that could rob Mother Emanuel Church in South Carolina of her brightest and best, shoot unwitting Concert goers in Las Vegas and choked to death the hopes and dreams of a gifted violinist named Elijah McLean. Like so many young people today, I was searching for a way out, and some might say a way in, and then I heard the voice of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. on an old radio, and he was talking about the philosophy and discipline of nonviolence. He said, we are all complicit when we tolerate injustice. And he said it's not enough to say we'll get better by and by. He said each of us has a moral obligation to stand up, to speak up, and to speak out. He says, and you've heard this probably a hundred times in the past two weeks, when you see something that is not right, you must say something. You must do something. And democracy is not a state, it is an act. And each generation must do its part to help build what we call the beloved community, a nation, a world, society at peace with itself. If you join John Lewis in this battle, can you give God about 30 seconds of praise? If you truly believe that his vision was true, can you give God some praise? If you really believe that it's possible, To have a love society, can you give God some praise? Sooner or later, everyone identifies with the book of Job, because suffering is a part of the human condition. And whether innocent or guilty, we cry out in anguish, Lord, why me? Anybody in here, have you ever cried out, Lord, why me? Have you ever offered up some sacrifices to God and say, I know a people who don't love you, don't care about you, Lord, but why me? But the book of Job was written before the time of Moses, giving us insight into what people knew about God before humankind had been given a written revelation. And Job suggested that human beings knew God as personal and transcendent master of the world he created. And as master of men, God permits us freedom of choice and thus holds human beings morally responsible. God does not want to make us worship him. God has given us a free will, and God wants us to want a relationship with him. As a moral being himself, God punishes evil and rewards those who do what's right. God is a loving God and a just God. He could be approached through sacrifice and God forgives sinners who repent and turn to him. Any sinners in the house. I can bear witness that God is a forgiving God because without his forgiveness, I wouldn't be standing here today. Because of the grace of God, I would not be here today. But let me go back to chapter 1 to paint the picture of this wonderful life that Job had. And I kept thinking to myself that this story is really about going from riches to rags and back to riches. Because when you read the story of Job, Job teaches us how to deal with loss in our lives. In chapter 1, the Bible says that in the land of us, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless. Oh, Lord, have mercy. He was upright. He feared God. And he shunned evil, Alex. Can you imagine meeting a man like this? Blameless, upright, feared God, shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned not 700, but 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen and 500 donkeys and had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all of the people in the East, hallelujah. His sons used to hold feasts in their homes on their birthdays, and they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And when a period of fasting had run its course, it was Job who would make arrangements for them to be purified. He did not allow them to be purified on their own. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Any good parent, right? will want their children purified and would lift up to God the request that please let them go to God this time. You know, they didn't know what they were doing. This was Job's regular custom. But one day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord. And that's why I think this text is important because it shows us that the enemy sometimes hangs out with angels. And one day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came with them. And the Lord said to Satan, minister Derek, where have you come from? And Satan answered the Lord and he said, from roaming throughout Cary, Morrisville, Holly Springs, Fuquay, Durham, Raleigh, Pittsburgh. I've been roaming throughout the earth and I've been going back and forth on it. The Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There's no one on earth like him. He's blameless. He's upright. A man who fears God, he shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Have you not put an edge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land? But now stretch out your hand, strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. If you lost everything that you had right now, could you still come over here and lead us in praise and worship? could you still stand up and wave your hand and say, we serve an awesome God who's worthy to be praised. And so, but now stretch your hand and strike everything he has and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord in verse number 12 said to Satan very well, then everything he has is in your power, hallelujah. But on the man himself do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord And one day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, here they go again. A messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby. And the Sabians attacked and made off with them. They put their servants to the sword and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still talking, Brother Rod, he was still speaking. Another messenger came and said, the fire of God fell from the heavens and burned up the sheep and the servants, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you, Lord, have mercy. And while he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, the Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and now I am the only one who escaped to tell you what happened. While he was still speaking, yet another messenger came, Can you take in one day? Your sons and your daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the older brother's house. And when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house, it collapsed on them. And Sister Sandra, he went on to say that they are all dead. And I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you. At this, Job got up job got up church he got up he tore his robe and shaved his head then he fell to the ground in worship and said naked i came from my mother's womb he went on and let me say it again church naked i came from my mother's womb and naked i will depart the lord gave it and the lord has taken it away And after hearing all of this bad news, Job had the nerve to give God all praise, honor, and glory. He said the Lord gave it and the Lord has taken it away. And all this Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. So what we understand from Job that sometimes God allows trouble surface in our lives so that we get a new perspective and understanding of who God really is. Sometimes God allows trouble in our lives so that we will have a need to pray and have a relationship with God. Sometimes God allows trouble in our lives because we get so comfortable in ignoring God. Sometimes God allows trouble in our lives because our priorities are out of order. And God is not in first place, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seven, eight, nine, tenth. sometimes. And God has to make a statement to realize I gave it and I can take it away. Sometimes God allows trouble to come to help us to understand that we are not the only game in town. Sometimes God allows trouble to come because we need to understand that we're not the only one in town who could sing praises to God. We're not the only one who can preach the word of God. We're not the only one. We're not the only one. So Job teaches us how to deal with trouble when it comes. Can I get a witness? Can you imagine? Some of us lose very little and we quit on God. He lost everything that he had. He lost all 10 children. He lost the donkeys, the oxen. He lost everything that he had. And there he was with the nerve to give God all praise, honor, and glory. Job had it all 10 children fields of livestock. Like some of us, we got it all nice cars. Nice houses, beautiful children, bank account. We have it all. But you ought to ask yourself, where would you be today if God takes it all away? And the word says that without warning and like an avalanche, adversity struck, and he lost his livestock, he lost his crops, his land, his servants, and if you can believe it, he lost all ten children. And soon thereafter, he lost the human vestige of hope, his health. He experienced his own sea of pain, and he could therefore write from experience his own intense suffering. What I have learned in life is that I can never tell you that I know how you feel. Because I really don't know how you feel when you're in trouble. But I tell you, I know how it feels when I'm in trouble. And I'm here to tell you that Job's journey of faith had come to a turning point because Job realized that he needed to remind himself of who God is. And as we open the text, Job finds himself feeling frustrated, forsaken and forgotten by God. Can I get a witness? Ever feel that God has lost your address? You ever feel that God does not know where you reside anymore? You ever feel that God doesn't know that you really need a raise? You ever feel that God doesn't know that you really need a new job? But neither do you ever feel that God doesn't know that you're working out in the hot sun and that you're trying to do what's right, but God, do you know I'm frustrated and I'm mad about this and I want you to move on my behalf? And Job continues to feel persecuted. He complains to his three friends and that's one of the things that you need to be careful about is that who are your friends. And in this passage we see that Job's response begins with complaints against the friends. They were asking him, how long you going to put up with this God? How, how long are you going to sit around here and praise God? How long you going to read the scriptures? And how long are you going to Bible study? And how long are you going to keep looking like you death warmed over? How long? They did not support him or defend his cause against God. Don't call a friend a person who doesn't know God because when you get in trouble, you need a friend who will lead you to the word of God. But rather than accuse himself of deserving his faith, they blame the victim, and the friends continue to persecute him. Can you imagine a friend comes over to visit when you're in trouble, and all they can do is say, girl, you sure look bad. Girl, I don't know what happened to you. Whatever storm you were in, you are in the worst shape that I've ever seen you in. Can you imagine that you have lost everything that you have and your friends come over to tell you, you look like you are death warmed over. You look like you ought to just curse God and go on and die. So the first lesson joke teaches us that we must be prayerful in selecting our friends. And now that the God he has served and turned against him, certainly the timing and the method of losses, Joseph made it clear that this was the hand of God. The question that torments Job was why, why, why? Earlier, when the three friends came from their homes to comfort and console Job, they hardly recognized him. And in tears, they sat with him, the word says, for seven days and nights, so moved by his suffering that they could not bring themselves to speak. And because of his suffering, Job concludes that God must have something against me. So it's all right to ask God a question. It's all right to ask God for clarification. The second lesson from Job is this, that we must trust God in all circumstances. We must trust God. You might as well say amen in all seasons of our lives. We must trust God when we're broke. We must trust God when we have what we think is a little money. We want to trust God when our health is good. We need to trust God when our health is bad. We need to trust God when our families are dysfunctional. We need to trust God when everything around us is falling apart. We need to trust God in a pandemic and say, God, I'm still alive. We must trust God in all seasons. God protected David when he was running from Saul. God protected Elijah when Jezebel was trying to kill him. Anybody trying to kill you? God protected Israel when they entered the enemy territory. God protected Hagar when she was in the desert without water. God protected Joseph when he was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. God protected Jonah even though he had a rebellious spirit. God protected Paul and Silas while they were in prison. God protected Rahab household. God protected Joshua as he marched around Jericho, and God protected the spies who went in to see the land. Can I get a witness if you know that God will protect you in all situations? God protects us from our troubles, and the imagery in Job helps us sense God's care. God builds a hedge around people who trust him. We can be touched by trouble if God opens up the hedge and lets them through. But if God lets trouble in, God will kick trouble out in due season. If God opens the door and trouble comes, God will have a resolution. Job believed that God loved him even in his troubles. And Job teaches us to keep on trusting God even when he permits us to have trouble. That's what I found fascinating about John Lewis, that even in the midst of his dying and death and pancreatic cancer, he was still out doing the Lord's work, trusting God to continue the work when he's gone. He trusted God enough to go back to witness to see what had been done. It takes courage and faith to trust God. It takes people who have a relationship with God to trust God. In the midst of all of Job's trials and tribulations, he had a change of heart. He had a mood swing. He was not bipolar, he just had a mood swing. I'm not saying that he had mental illness, but he had any mood swings in the house. Every now and then you have a mood swing. Every now and then you wake up one way and God said, that's not good enough, go back and come again. You have a mood swing where you are gonna get arrogant with God. (laughs) Ever have a mood swing when you say to yourself, I could deserve better than this. It's good to have a mood swing, but you better also shift your attitude. And Job moves from a place of rejection, it's a redemption. Job wishes the words could be eternally chiseled into a rock And though Job is distressed that no one believes in him now, he trusts that one day I will be vindicated by God. I don't care what people say about me. I know that one day I'm going to be vindicated by God because God knows my heart, God knows my mind, and God knows my intentions. So Job had a clear premonition that the truth he was about to utter would prove of value to all succeeding ages. The uh, Bible doesn't tell us, but I tend to think that the friends went back home. I tend to think that they just took their little selves back home and decided that Job was crazy. And if you have people who come to your house and they bear witness the way that these three friends did, you ought to open the door and let them go back home. But Job had a mood swing when he said, I need to start reminding myself of who God is. I need to remind myself of what God has done. When my mother fell on the floor on Friday and then she fell again twice yesterday, I had to look up to heaven and I had to say, God, you created my mother. God, you know what she needs. When they said that my sisters could not go in the emergency room, I said, God, that's not good enough. So I decided to call the emergency room. And I wanted to talk to the person in charge. And I kept saying, you might not be able to let them in, but you can sure go out and meet them in the parking lot. Otherwise, I'm going to just have to keep calling. And God was so merciful, the doctor came out to give us an update on my mother. I said, I know that my Redeemer lives. I know that my God answers prayer. I know that God travels long distance. I know that God goes to the inner places of the world. I know God answers prayer. Because in the midst of my trouble, my God answered my prayer in the midst of my trouble, mobile infirmary did not give me the answer that I need because God said to me, I created her and I know her departure date. I know where she is and I know what needs to be done. So by the time, this time, Job is like Martin Luther King Jr. He has climbed to the mountain top and he has seen the other side. If we are in darkness and we cannot see, we need to lift our eyes up to glory, and we need to start looking through eyes of faith. The enemy wants us always to look through eyes of trouble. But Job teaches us is that when you have faith, you look up when the world pulls you down. When you have faith, you praise God when the earth wants to keep you quiet. When you have faith, you look to the other side and realize that when this body has faded away and when earth has faded away, that I have a new beginning with God. Job helps us to see that we need to understand the theology of life. This is not all that it is. Job helps us to understand that your residence here is not your residence in glory. And Job writes, for I know, How many of you today can say, I know, can you say it with conviction? I know, I know that my redeemer lives and he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. Oh my God, and he shall stand in the latter days upon the earth. Job has lost everything. He's lost his health. He has no friends and he has the nerve to say, and after my skin is destroyed, this I know." that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself. I'm so glad of the promise that you won't see the God for me, and I won't see God for you. But Job said, I will see God for myself. And then he goes on to say that, and my eyes shall behold him. He said, my eyes shall behold him. Can you imagine? Think for a minute. My eyes shall behold, and not another. And he said, how my heart faint yearns within. I shall see God. Will you see God for yourself? Even in our pain, there are some things that we can know, that it is certain about, that we can be certain about. I know that God loves me, After all, I was born in Alabama. I know that Jesus is my friend. I know that God is faithful. Oh yeah, Oprah says what she knows for sure, but I know some things for sure myself. I know that God is trustworthy. I know that God can keep a secret. I know that God can be trusted with my truth. And I know that if I tell God anything, it stays with God. I know that there is power in the name of Jesus. I know that there is salvation in the name of Jesus. A dying world needs to know that there is salvation in the name of Jesus. And it's time for the church to preach and teach there is salvation in the name of Jesus. I know that there is healing Hallelujah, healing in the name of Jesus, because according to Satan, I should be dead. But only because God is a good God that the practitioner in the doctor's office discovered what was wrong with me, but the MD had no idea. And years later, I realized that the medical doctor didn't care whether I lived or died. But I realized that God sent a saint to say, what about this? I know, can I get a witness that prayer changes everything? Prayer changes you. Prayer changes me. Prayer changes him. Prayer changes marriage. Prayer changes love. I know that prayer changes everything. I know that God is always victorious. I don't know of a battle that God has ever lost. I don't know of a battle that God has ever lost. I know that God has delayed victory from time to time, but I do not know of a battle that God has ever lost. Whatever you're battling right now, give it to the Lord in prayer. And I know that faith, I can see the future. I know that the righteous shall see God. And above all, dear God, I pray that I don't want to walk around like I'm self-righteous, but your word says the righteous shall see God. Therefore, I want you to take all of the darkness out of me, dear Lord, because I want to make sure that I'm in that number of people who will see you. I know that the Bible says that the blood still works. Hallelujah. I know that the blood still works and we need to celebrate Jesus. I know I shall see my Savior someday, and I know the Word of God is true and transformative. So Job allows us to hear what it feels like to live with confidence. So today, church, I ask you, does your Redeemer live? Let me explain what I'm saying. A Redeemer is one who repurchases and one who delivers from bondage. Without Jesus Christ, we are doomed to death and we live in the bondage of sin. But with Jesus, we have life with God. Job could say that I know my advocate lives, he would have been accurate, but he didn't use any of those terms. He said, my redeemer lives. My redeemer is not my mother, not my father, not grandma Lillian not my sister Carol, not Brenda, my redeemer, not the deacons, not the trustees, not the ministers in the church, but my redeemer is God himself. And finally, he knew that he ultimately belonged to God and that sin had just entered his sin for life. Grandma Lillian had this kind of personal relationship with God. I couldn't figure out why she was always singing and praying to God. She was always giving God praise and we would look around and we couldn't figure out what is it that she has to be so happy about. The house had a leak. The yard wasn't great. The chickens didn't produce that many eggs. The neighbors weren't that friendly. We had to pick cotton, little food, not in the refrigerator. We didn't have a refrigerator in the icebox. So what was there to be so happy about? She was happy because she knew that her Redeemer lived. She was happy that she knew she was more important than 103 America Avenue in Atmore, Alabama. She realized that her Redeemer lived. And because her Redeemer lived, this was all temporary stuff that belonged to the earth. And Grandma Lillian taught us is that our focus in life should always be on our final destination. Our focus should always be on where am I going when I leave here. And she could preach a word. She never went to school, but she knew the Bible. She knew what the Lord said. Her favorite thing to do in church was to give a welcome address. And every year, she did that on the Women's Day program, and every year, I had to send her a new welcome for the home. There's nothing more important than having a personal relationship with God. So church, my prayer today that all of us are in position to say that my redeemer live and Job goes on to say that after my skin and flesh are gone that i shall be with the god who created me for a long time i didn't really understand the battle hymn of the republic and i read it the other night again my eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the lord he is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored he has loosed the faithful lightning of his terrible swift sword his truth his truth is marching on glory glory hallelujah glory glory hallelujah but the part that grasps me i have seen him in the watch fires of a hundred circling camps they have built him an altar in the evening, dews and dance. I can read his righteous sentence by the dim and flaring lamps. You see, I've learned that sometimes we sing songs, but we don't know the meaning of the songs. And sometimes we sing about the blood still working, but we might not really know whether or not it works. But it's good to say I can read his righteous sentence by the demon flaring. His day is marching on. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And in the beauty of the lilies, Christ was born across the sea with the glory of his bosom that transfigures you and me. And he died to make men holy. Let us live, hallelujah, church, to make men free while our God is marching on. Glory, can you say glory? Hallelujah. Can you say it again, glory? Hallelujah. Can you say it again, glory? Hallelujah, his truth, his truth, his truth, not my truth, but his truth is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for Job, who's willing to continue to praise you in the midst of trouble. Thank you for the model of redemption so that we know when we are in spirit warfare and the enemy wants to take that you have bless your holy name and father I pray right now for those who do not believe in God I pray for those who have not met you yet and I pray dear God that you will open their hearts to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I pray right now, dear God, you will send dear friends and true friends to help all of us be better because of Jesus. Thank you, God, for blessing us, for trusting us, loving us, and preparing the table before us. So for those who don't know you, we offer Jesus. And we ask right now, dear God, that they will receive you in their hearts and they will ask that they might be saved. We bless your name and we thank you for the days to come. We thank you for letting us know that trouble doesn't last always, amen. Our prayer that this message will enlighten and empower you to do the will of God. If you have a prayer request or prayer report or like additional information on Pleasant Grove Church or other recorded messages, come visit us in person or write to us at Pleasant Grove Church Post Office Box 3603 Cary, North Carolina 27519. Or call us at 919-363-5198. Or visit us on the web www.pgc-carry.org Thank you again.